chasing blank. I don't know what the blank is in your life. Chances are real good, though, there's something in your life that you're chasing to bring fulfillment to you, to bring peace to you, to bring significance to you, to bring contentment to you, to bring happiness to you, to bring joy to you, to bring whatever emotion it is you feel is lacking in your life. What happens with us as humans is we chase things to fulfill the void or to fill the void in our life. I mean, we live in a thing that is literally called the rat race. We're constantly on the go trying to find that thing that will give us that feeling that we think will get us through this thing called life. And then the problem happens is when we catch that thing, we get a hold of that thing, it brings that peace and it brings that fulfillment and it brings that contentment for a couple of days. Then the void's there again because what we filled the void with was superficial what we filled the void with was lacking. And instead of then looking for fulfillment from the right thing, which is God, which is Jesus, we get right back on the hamster wheel of life and we start running in circles again, trying to find the next thing that's going to bring that fulfillment. I don't know what the blank is in your life. For a lot of people, they're chasing money and possessions. He who dies with the most toys wins when really the reality is he who dies with the most toys is still dead i i I don't know what it is we talked last week a lot of people in our society and a lot of you didn't even realize you're there we're chasing fame we're chasing significance the the desire one of the biggest human needs is the need to be known whether it is on an international level, a national level, a local level, or even in your marriage, you have this desire to be known, and so we live our lives trying to make a name for ourselves instead of making a name for Jesus. Some of us, and we're going to talk about this in the coming weeks, we're chasing perfection. Everything has got to be perfect. You can't have a relationship that will ever make it because your standard is perfection. And the problem is if you found the perfect person, you're in the relationship and you're not perfect, and so you would ruin that perfect relationship. I run into people all the time. when it comes, I'm just looking for a church. I can't find a church. Oh, okay. So there's 972 churches in Cherokee County and you can't find a church that meets your needs. I always tell people, if you're looking for the perfect church and you find the perfect church, don't join the perfect church because you'll ruin it and it'll no longer be perfect. We live our life chasing things. We all chase different things. We chase money, perfection. We talked last week, like I said, about fame. And today I want to talk to you about a subject that I think a lot of us deal with. And this is kind of an odd series for us. It's not a hoop and hollering series. It's not a motivation series, get up and chase the world. It's not a discover your purpose series. It's not a funny series. It's not a series on necessarily how we put something into action every day of our life. It's not a relationship series, all the things that I try to hit on. But it's a series that is 
needed because as I watch people, hello, myself included, we spend our life chasing things that won't give us the desire, they won't fulfill the desire, they won't fulfill the void that we need filled. Today we're going to talk about the chase for approval. The chase for approval. Do you like me? Do you approve of me? <laughs> the battle that we all struggle with, with trying to please people over trying to please God. There's probably not a person here today that is not on the hamster wheel in the pursuit of approval. Now, it might look different. It might be different people that you're looking for approval from. But everyone here at one time or another struggles in the pursuit of approval. Some of you have spent your entire lives looking for approval from your parents. They never told you you were good enough. They didn't tell you they loved you enough. They left this void in your life, and so every move you make at the detriment of every relationship you have in your life is to get mommy and daddy's approval. You're grown adult still wanting mommy and daddy's approval. And the funny thing is there's nothing special about mommy and daddy, but they're mommy and daddy, so you want their approval. You got daddy issues and mommy issues. Won't be a lot of amens today. Because a man would be to admit that's your area of struggle. Some of you pursue the approval of the place you work at. All you care about in life is making sure your boss, your co-workers, think you're the greatest thing in all the world. Again, at the detriment of all the other relationships in your life. Some of you are really unbalanced, and you live your whole life wanting the approval of your children. Do they like me? Do we get along? Your kids don't need another friend. They need a parent. Some of you, and this is going to be a shocker to you, are seeking the approval of your spouse. Every move you make, whether it's losing who you are, not being, living the life you feel you were created for. It's whatever you can do to get approval from your spouse. Do they like me? Do they love me? Are they impressed with me? Uh, did I do this the right way? And did I look the right way? And did I say the right thing? I just have to have everybody's approval. And that's a miserable way to live. Let me ask you a question. How many of you, and I know this is church, and there's no bigger place for liars than church. But I want you to be honest with me. Because see, church is the place we ought to be able to come and be real. We ought to be able to come and be ourselves, but we can't because we got to put on a show on Sundays. We pull in the parking lot cussing out our spouse. We get out of that car, it's like, praise the Lord, brother. It's so good to be in the house of the Lord. You know, like the psalmist said in the book of Psalms, man, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. This is the day the Lord has made. I will be glad and rejoice in it. Whoop, whoop, hallelujah. Knowing you was ready to beat the kids on the way here, knowing you and your wife was up fighting all night, knowing you don't want to be here, but when you walk through those doors, the mask comes on and the fakeness starts. But I want you to get past the fakeness this morning. 
And I want to ask you a question. How many people, would you raise your hand, you'd be honest, and you'd say, Gary, I might care a little bit too much what other people think about me. How many of you? Raise your hand, raise your hand. Let, let me just <laughs> raise two hands. Two hands. You say, Gary, you care. Oh, I care. Now, here's the weird thing about me. I'm either one extreme or the other. I got groups that I could care less at all. Matter of fact, I almost find fulfillment and joy in the fact that they don't approve. But then I have another group that I just want their approval. I, I want to be successful in their eyes. I want people to, to say, man, he's got it together, and look what he did here, and look at his marriage, and look how he parents. And, and it's just amazing. We all struggle in the area of approval. We battle caring what other people think about us. Again, let's ask that question. How many of you say, Gary, I struggle a little bit too much with worrying about what other people think? Put your hands up. Now, if you have your hands up today because you think I want you to have your hand up today, chances are you probably struggle with approval. <laughs> I, I saw this quote from a lady named Harriet Breaker this week. She was a psychologist, wrote a bunch of books, and she wrote this. She said, the disease to please, I like that, the disease to please, is actually a form of addiction. The disease to please is a form of addiction, and it is. She says, it's like a drug addict who's seeking out drugs. People seek out approval. And when we get approval from whoever it is we're looking for the approval from, let's just be honest today, it's like you just shot something up in your arm. It, it, it just releases endorphins. It brings you this peace temporarily. And that's where the chase comes in. You get the approval and it works for a second, then it goes away and you long for that feeling again. And you begin to chase the approval of man when all along we should have been seeking the approval of God. And the funny thing is the approval of God is a whole lot easier to get than the approval of man. We'll get to that later. Gary, how do I know I'm a people pleaser? Well, chances are if you're breathing in one area of your life or another, you're a people pleaser. But I know that there's people out there, and they're going to think past that, and Xander must be sleeping because he's already ahead of me today, and Xander never messes up up there. But uh, number one, is Xander running that or Tanya? Tanya's running. I knew it, Xander. I knew you wouldn't mess up, Xander. And here's the deal. If Tanya messes up, it's okay because she's freaking Tanya. Tanya making messes. She's like the Tanya's. There's the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. At Action Church, there's pastor, worship pastor, Tanya's spirit. She can do no wrong. So she messed up. We called her out. God's probably going to smite me later for calling her out. But you obsess over what other people think. When you obsess over what other people think, chances are real good you're people pleaser 
You seek approval. Do, do you like my outfit? I intentionally wore this shirt today. You know why? Because I wore this shirt last week. And I knew I was preaching this sermon today. And it drove me crazy the whole time I'm I was like, I wore this shirt last week. Someone's going to say something about it. And I was thinking, well, what do I care if someone says something about it? Well, it smells good. It's clean. It's iron now. Why do I care what someone thinks about me wearing the same shirt two weeks in a row? But we worry about it. Do you like my outfit? <laughs> do, do, you like, like, do you like the, the music I, I listen to? Do you like my hairstyle? Do, do you like that picture that I posted on social media? Like, I noticed you didn't like that picture I posted. And I posted this quote, like, did you, is there, are you mad at me? Like, why didn't you hit like on it? Well, I have 5,000 friends on Facebook, and chances are really good I didn't see what you posted. And if I saw what you posted, I don't normally hit like on a lot of stuff, so get over it. It's not about you. Did you like it? If you liked it, post it. Are we okay? Yeah, why wouldn't we be okay? Well, I mean, I haven't talked to you in a couple of days. Oh, well, I have five kids at the house and a wife at the house and two dogs at the house, and it's festival season, and my wife travels, and I'm just pretty busy. Sorry I couldn't call to check on you every day. Did that hurt your feelings? Sorry that our relationship is so shallow that we have to communicate every day to stroke your ego. Why didn't you respond when I sent you that text? Oh, because I probably get 750 texts a day. And if I don't respond immediately, it gets shot down on my phone. And so I was probably in a meeting, but, and, and you really didn't even ask me anything. You just said, hey, man, hope you're having a good day. Why did it take so long? I texted you. Like we never stop and think what the other person might be doing. I texted and they didn't respond back. We, we were consumed. We're obsessed over what people think about us. We obsess over it. And I, I got to admit, I'm very guilty of this. So I'm not preaching at you today. I'm preaching with you today. I, I very much am the type of person who seeks approval. Everybody likes to post in my timeline anytime they see a meme or anything about stirring the pile. That's scary. And I'm guilty. Sometimes I just need some approval. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to stir the pot today. I'm bored. Oh, look at all those people who liked what I posted. They approved. Isn't it nice? I'm horrible about it on Sunday after service. Before we go eat, my wife and I drive separate to church. There will be some time that I call her between here and the three miles that we go. And I always like to drop it subtly, like she doesn't know what I'm doing. Because we've only been together six years. And so in six years, 52 weeks, you know, I've only talked over 300 times that she's heard me preach. That wasn't a good sermon today. You know why I say that? Because I want her to come back and be like, it was good. Really? Yeah. It was good. No, it wasn't. Then I argue with her. You might just want some more approval. Vulnerable in that area, you know. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm like a little puppy dog. Was it good? You know. Did I do okay? You know. Did you like it? You know. I put on an event. I mean, I just wait for someone to be like, oh, it's the greatest event ever. And we obsess over what people think about us. I'm not proud of it. And some of you are going to act like you're real tough and don't do it, but we all do it. Now, again, it might be different people that you do it, but we all are looking and obsessing over the approval from somebody. Uh, another way to know you're a people person, person is you're overly sensitive to criticism. You're overly sensitive to criticism. Any type of criticism. Your supervisor makes a suggestion about your performance. Makes a suggestion about your performance. A suggestion. And you fall apart. 
You get one negative comment on your social media Facebook page, and oh my God, your whole world falls apart. You get difficult feedback from somebody, and you can't handle it. Your child tells you what they really think about you, and you fall apart. You can't deal with criticism. Instead of stepping back and asking myself, man, is there any truth in what's being told me right now? You fall apart because you're so desperate for their approval. Your ego can't handle anything negative. We know we're not perfect, yet we want people to look at us perfect, and how dare they criticize anything that we do? How dare they, they give us any kind of pushback, and we struggle being people pleasers? We're, we're obsessed with what people think, and we're overly sensitive to criticism. We can't deal with criticism, even though, even though criticism is really the only way that we grow. I'm super bad about criticism. I'm actually kind of weird about criticism. Let me rephrase that. I'm super bad about criticism immediately. Get mad, frustrated, you don't understand. You don't understand what I'm trying to do. Then after I calm down, I go back in the van and I'm like, crap, they were right. I'm not going to tell them they were right. But they're right. How do we know we're people pleasers? You obsess over what people think. You're overly sensitive to criticism. You can't say no. You can't say no. You find yourself avoiding conflict at all costs. You don't want to hurt someone else's feelings. So every time they ask you to do something, even if you don't want to do it, even if it's not what's best for you, even if you know, man, I don't need to do this, man, we do it. Because God forbid we tell someone no, because they might get mad at us. They might get their feelings hurt if we tell them no. You know, you're that person like the little kid comes to your door selling wrapping paper for school and you know you don't need any wrapping paper and you don't even know this little kid and you can't even tell the little kid no. I'll buy some cookie dough. I'm going to diet, but I'll sell it because I don't want to tell you no and break your heart. You know, we seek people's approval. I have a rule here at the church. I don't have many rules at this church, but I'll shut you down quick. Go ahead and get it out since it's the beginning of the school year. Do not bring your kids up in this church doing fundraiser stuff. I do not want people harassed on Sunday mornings because the problem is we're people approvers. They have a hard time. They don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. They don't want to tell your kids no. I'm trying to help the people pleasers out there. They ought to come to church and be able to enjoy church, not be harassed about buying candles or wrapping paper or cookie dough. Send your kid door to door selling candy bars like I used to back in the day. But we can't tell them no. I, I can't look at a kid and tell them no. If I buy crap I don't need, spend money on stuff I don't want, commit to doing stuff I don't want to do, commit to doing stuff more importantly that I don't have time to do, simply because I can't tell somebody no because I'm a people pleaser. I, I don't want to upset them, you know, yeah, sure, I can do that. I mean, I only have this, 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 this. I only was complaining last night to my husband that, man, I don't know how I'm going to get everything I have done tomorrow, but this person wants me to go do this now, and they expect me to drop everything I need to drop just to go make them happy, but I don't want to upset them, so I'm going to go do this. And, and what happens oftentimes is, what happens oftentimes is, don't miss this, we end up cut, because you can only, only add so many hours to the day. So in order to add something else to your day, you've got to cheat something. And normally we end up cheating the person that's closest to us because they'll get over it. 
How am I supposed to do this, this, and my kid, or this and this for my husband, or this and this even for my job? But, but, but they'll get over it. But this person, man, if I let them down, I, I, got, I got to go help them. They made a piss poor decision. They're in a, a need now because they made the decision, but I, I'm going to help them bail them out of it. And blah, 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 blah. Can't tell people no. Because we're people pleasers. <laughs> Bible says this in Proverbs 29. Fear of man will prove to be a snare. Remember that word, snare. But whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. Fear of man. Approval of man. Needing to be liked by everybody. Needing to please everybody. Will prove to be a snare. That Hebrew word snare right there is translated, it literally means a noose. You ever seen like a bull and it's got a noose? hanging out of its nose the reason it has that noose hanging out of its nose is because no matter how big that bull is no matter how tough that bull is no matter how bad that bull is no matter how huge that bull is you grab a bull by that noose and immediately you're in control of that bull now i i just read that i haven't proven that theory to be intact if one of you have a big bull and would like to prove that, I've got some people that would probably do it. I'm not going to do it. But they say you can grab that noose with just your one finger. And immediately you control everything about that bull. Imagine walking around with a noose hanging out of your nose. And the people that you're looking for approval from just grab it, mommy and daddy. You're a grown adult. You got kids. You're married. And you'll let your spouse down and your kids down for you let mommy and daddy down. The Bible says for this reason a man leaves his father and his mother. I didn't think anybody say amen to that. Children leave, spouses stay. That's why I say in the pecking order it's God, spouse, children. I think my children are going first. No, your children. You're, here, let me give you the, your goal. Let me give you the goal in parenting. Some of you have missed this. The goal in parenting, parenting is to raise your children to leave. I know that's hard for some of you. How do I know I'm, I, I succeeded as a parent? Your children leave they function in society on their own they leave spouses stay it's like having a, a noose in your nose it's like an animal being pulled around that's what fear of man is like that's what needing approval is like when we're obsessed with what people think, we've, they've got us by the nose. We're hooked, and we're being pulled in all different directions. And the problem is, all the people pulling us in the different directions, all are pulling us in areas that meet their own selfish needs. So your spouse is pulling you in this direction, and your kids are pulling you in this direction, and your work is pulling you in this direction, and your parents are pulling you in this direction. And unless you're, was it Plastic Man when I was a kid, used to have the little dude, and he could stretch all out, stretch Armstrong? Unless you're Stretch Armstrong, that don't work. 
and it's miserable and consuming and it destroys you trying to get the approval of other people fear man fear what people think it'll always be a trap that pulls you away from god's will will you put that verse back up tanya but whoever trusts in the lord is kept safe whoever seeks the lord's approval and again it's not that hard to get the lord's approval we'll talk about that in a minute whoever trusts in the lord is kept safe when you play to an audience of one, it's life-changing. What if my spouse doesn't like that? When you're in tune with God, it's life-changing. When your spouse is in tune with God, you'll be in tune together. We obsess over what people think of us. We have to be liked. I think one of the Best things I've learned over the years is everyone is just not going to like me. And I'm okay with that. Everyone is not going to like me. And I'm perfectly fine with that. I probably should have started this sermon by doing this. Hello, my name is Gary Lamb. And I am a recovering approval addict. I struggled with this for years. Then I just, finally, lots of counseling. Lots of getting in the book. And finally coming to the realization that I can't please everybody. That I need to worry about pleasing one person. And it's amazing how when I'm in tune, and I'm not always in tune, but when I'm in tune with pleasing the one person, the other people, those relationships just seem so much better. When I'm seeking one-on-one -on -one with God, my marriage is better. When I'm seeking one-on-one -on -one with God, my parenting is better. When I'm seeking one-on-one -on -one with God, my business endeavors are better. <laughs> we have to realize that we're struggling worrying about people's approval. And while that's a relational problem, it's also a spiritual problem. It's a snare. It's not to be taken lightly. The reason so many people struggle with addiction to drugs and alcohol is because they're trying to escape the pain of seeking everyone's approval. Now, here's the problem with so many people when it comes to they get to the point that they no longer care about the approval of others. They become defiant and not caring about the approval of others. See, you got to replace the desire to be approved by others with the desire to live a life that's pleasing to God. We leave off the step of trying to please God, and we just become angry and bitter. I don't care what anybody thinks of me. And no one wants to be around you anymore. And because the problem is deep down you still do care. I have a big saying, if I can look myself in the mirror and know I handle that situation right, I'm at peace with it, I'm good with it. And again, there's some people that I 
Don't care if they ever approve of me. And there's some people, no matter what I do, they're not going to approve of me. And then the reality is, no matter what you do, and I'm going to get to this in a minute, you're never going to please everybody. Who are you looking for approval from today? Who are the people in your life that for whatever reason, and you know what the funny thing is, the people we seek approval from? It's normally the people that treat us the worst. Ain't that funny? The people that treat us like crap, who have no respect for us, who continually do the same thing over and over and over, the most selfish people in our life, that's the people normally we want the approval from. Man, we're messed up, aren't we? And we're screwed up people. We need to seek the approval of God. And everybody in this room, God has an opinion of you. God has a different opinion of everyone in this room. God has a different calling on your life. God has a different purpose for you. God created you and he shaped you and God doesn't make mistakes and God doesn't make junk and God doesn't make screw-ups and you might have screwed up and you might have messed up but God says I'm going to take that mess and I'm going to use it for your best ministry and God says you haven't gone too far for me to use you. We amen that but I don't think we believe that. I've done some stupid stuff in my life. And for whatever reason, let me make this very clear to you, there's a lot of areas in my life I'm horrible Christ follower at. There's a lot of areas in my life that I struggle with in my faith. And I share those with you, but I'm also going to share you the areas I don't struggle in. I've never struggled with God's opinion of me. We drove by a place yesterday. We went out to my grandmother's 86th birthday, and it was way out in this county that I used to live in, and we drove by this Starbucks in the middle of nowhere, and I looked at my office and said, see that Starbucks? I took a picture of it on my phone. She said, yeah. I said, I sat in that Starbucks almost 10, it might have been to the day 10 years ago. And I said, the man I loved more than anybody, the mentor in my life when it came to ministry, sat there in that Starbucks and looked at me, at my lowest point in my life after I had imploded my life and destroyed everything and lost everything. He looked at me, and instead of encouraging me, instead of lifting me up, he looked at me and said, you do know that God will never use you again. Drove by it yesterday. And I remember immediately being like, I'm done with this guy. I'll never talk to this man again because even in my darkest point, I always knew God uses messy people. God uses screwed up people. It broke my heart to know that that's the way he viewed me, but I refused. I still refuse to allow an event in my life to define my life. Quit looking for the approval of others. We need to build our lives around living for God, not just in theory, but in actuality. It's easy to preach, and it's easy to amen, and it's easy to get on Facebook and be like, I pray to an audience of one, and check out this cute little quote graphic I found about Jesus. Whoop, whoop, whoop. 
knowing you don't believe crap you just posted. You know why you posted it? To get the approval of others in an area that you don't even believe. The Bible says this in Galatians. Am I, this is Paul speaking. He said, am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. That's a powerful scripture. Leave that up, please, Tanya. Now, you need to understand, Paul here is talking to the people at Galatia. They knew all about Paul's life. They knew the credibility of what he was saying. They knew Paul had been in prison many times for his faith. They knew he had been shipwrecked for his faith and left for dead. They knew he had been shunned by all his former peer group, all the religious elite of the day had walked away from him. They knew Paul was smoking what he was selling. They knew Paul was not worried about the approval of man, that Paul was only worried about the approval of God. He said, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not living my life for men to approve me. I'm not living my life for men to understand me. I'm not looking for men to praise me. I'm not looking, living my life for mommy and daddy to be like, that's my son I'm so proud of. He said, I'm living my life for the approval of God. I'm living my life to be a servant of God. To, to be a servant literally means you place yourself under someone or something. He said, man, I'm just under the authority of God. And if we're going to place ourselves under the approval of God, we have to realize that, listen, the approval of man is not necessary. You can't serve two masters. You can't seek your life to approve, to live a life approving to God, but also live your life trying to approve man because most of the time men won't understand the things of God. Even those who follow God will not understand your walk with God. My mom says it all the time. I pray, my, back in my wild days, I used to pray for you to come to Christ, and she'll tell you now, I just pray too hard. I just pray too hard. She doesn't understand. I don't care. My mom has never been to Action Church one time ever. I don't care. I don't say that in a defiant way. I don't care. Went to the family thing yesterday. Family thing's interesting. I don't really fit with the family. Went to this old country church. We'd rented the, well, I guess they rented the hell, I don't know what they did. They were in the fellowship hall. And everybody there is old school religious. Now they're hell on wheels. I could go and gossip about every one of them. But in the church house, they're old school religious. And the lamb clan rolls up in there like the clampets. And they just don't know what to do with it. They start getting nervous. Like my mom was late with my grandmother, and then my cousins are like, hey, everybody, they're going to be a little bit late. If someone needs to leave early because we know you need to leave, and they're looking at me. I'm like, I'm good. I'm going to stay. She's 86 years old. We're good. Chill, breathe. You know? And then, like, I ain't had a picture with my mom in, like, 10 years. So I'm like, come on, Mom. I don't want you to die. I don't got a picture with you. And like, like, you can't say that. And I'm like, why? Like, if she dies, I don't want to have sure I got a picture with her. And then they get outside, and my cousin starts to try to talk to me. I, I just don't understand some things you do with that church. Oh, okay. And I want to look at him and say, well, I don't understand some things you do with your life. 
Just because the church don't know about it, I do. But we live our life worrying about others. If pleasing people were my goal, I couldn't be a servant of Christ. Let me be real cocky with you for a minute. I could tweak some things at this church. I don't mean this arrogantly. There ain't a preacher in this town that if I'm in the zone can outreach me. There ain't a person in this town that can connect with unchurched, a pastor in this town that can connect with unchurched people better than me. There's not a more group of sold-out people than us. We could calm things down a little bit, maybe not play the cure in, in the music. Maybe we could cut Phil's hair off and put him in some Dockers and a polo shirt. Maybe I could wear Dockers and a polo shirt and maybe not slip up and say a bad word every now and then. And, and maybe we could hide the fact that y'all like to go out and drink. I mean, you could still go do it because that's what they do in the church. You just got to hide it, you know. And maybe we could not do such controversial things like let the homeless meet in our building and let addicts and just let anybody come in no matter what they look like. And you know what we could do? We could grow this church really, really quick. Matter of fact, I've actually had people stop me and be like, if you just tone it down a little bit, man, I want to come hear you preach every week. And I say, man, but if I toned it down a little bit, I'd be pleasing you. And here's the deal, you're already a Christian. So, man, I appreciate that, but that's not why we exist. We got to do what God has called us to do. And, and I feel like we're that church that's called to be the hands and the feet of Jesus. We're the ones that have to get dirty, and we're the ones that has to be a little bit ugly. And we have to do what no one else is willing to do to reach the ones that no one else is willing to reach. And that's what you got to do, but you can't do that and please people and be a servant of Christ. You know how much easier it'd be to have this place packed out every week and have the offerings quadruple and actually be able to pay the bills every now and then and clean the building every now and then and not worry about even replacing a light bulb? It'd make life a whole lot easier. I could tone it down a little bit. But that'd be doing what God's called us to do. We know the unique vision we have here. And you can't please man and be a servant of Christ. Do I feel like every pastor should be called to do the same thing? No, absolutely, 100% not. I don't. But we need to understand a couple of things. The first thing we need to understand is this, is pleasing people is idolatry. I'm going to get to that, what that means here in a minute. There are 613 rules in the Old Testament, laws in the Old Testament, and they started with 10, the 10 big ones, 10 commandments. And the first commandment is, thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. So I know what you're thinking right now. I'm good. I don't have any other gods for God. I don't got any little Buddhas I'm bowing down to. I don't have anything like that, and I'm good. God is first in my life. No, 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 no. Here's the problem with that. Anything you put above God is idolatry. Even good things. If you're putting your spouse above God, that's idolatry. If you're putting your kids above God, that's idolatry. If you're putting people's opinion before what God's called you to do in your life, that's idolatry. And pleasing people is idolatry because it's putting people's opinions and people's thoughts in your life above what God's opinions and God's thoughts are. Because we don't want to make somebody mad. We don't want someone to not like us. So we'll let God down instead of letting people down. <laughs> it's idolatry. 
putting something above God. It's thinking about pursuing, spending more time, chasing after anything more than we chase after God. And anything can be idolatry. Working out can be idolatry. Your career can be idolatry. Fame can be idolatry. Your spouse can be idolatry. Raising your kids. Some of you live so vicariously through your kids, it's almost disgusting. I get worried what's going to happen when they do turn 18 and finally move out. Anything. Anything. Church can be idolatry. If you're more interested in church than you are the things of God, because God's not always just about the things of church, it can be idolatry. And the desire to please people is idolatry. Jesus spoke about this in the Gospel of John, right about chapter 12. So he's three and a half years in his ministry right here. And you've got to understand that Jesus literally took blind people and made them see. He took people who couldn't walk and made it where they could walk. By his word and by his miracles, he took dead people and he brought them back to life. <laughs> dead people came back to life because of Jesus. And it wasn't just the followers who saw this. It was a group of religious people known as the Pharisees that saw this. So these religious people saw it with their own eyes. They saw the work of Jesus. They saw that in everything Jesus did, he pointed people to God. Yet they refused to publicly acknowledge in faith that he was Christ. No matter what you do, you're never going to get the approval of all people. Even Jesus couldn't get the approval of the people that ought to have been the easiest to approve of, and the religious. <laughs> and when Jesus saw this, he described their idolatry this way, John 12. He said, yet at the same time, even among the leaders... Yet all at the same time, many, even among the leaders, believed in him. But because of the Pharisees, they would not openly acknowledge their faith for fear they would be put out of the synagogue. For they loved human praise more than the praise of God. These men saw Jesus, and they couldn't even acknowledge the work of Jesus for fear of what other people would think of them. I got a guy in town here, and every time I run into him, he's like, man, I love what you're doing. He mails us his tithe every, every month to our P.O. box. And he always kills me. He says, man, I wish I could show up there one Sunday. I'm like, yeah, you can. No, man. You know what my mom would say if I ended up back at your church? I'm like, who cares? And he'll look at me. He's looked at me with tears in his eyes. And says, I do. She prayed I'd get back in church. And it sure wasn't your church you prayed for. How miserable. How sad. That this morning he's sitting in a place he can't stand. Can't wait to come out and listen to the podcast tomorrow. Because he's worried about what people would think. It's idolatry. Anytime you love something more than you love your creator, it's idolatry. And it doesn't always start with big stuff. It often starts with little seemingly innocent things that you try to do to please someone else. We do things we know we shouldn't just to please people. Their opinions mean more to us than the opinion of God. We're chasing it, chasing that approval. But the problem is once we get it, 
it still leaves us empty. If you have to chase somebody's approval, chances are real good that's a sign you shouldn't be chasing their approval. Last of all, and I'm going to go home today, the approval of God sets us free from the disease to please. Once you realize who you are in Christ, and once you realize how your Father looks at you, and once you truly believe how the creator of the universe feels about you, you're free from the disease to please. It took me, I'm 43, it probably took me 41 years to finally fully realize how God views me. And the way that God views me frees me from the opinions of others. I love this church. Let me make this very clear. I love the people of this church. I'd go to hell and back for any of you. But I hear the talk. I just think Gary ought to be down at the church more. I don't care what you think. If he focused on the church as much as he focused on all these other things, I don't care what you think. I'm not trying to hurt your feelings. I just don't approve of, of, of sometimes he'll do this and he'll do that and him and Christine will be here and they'll... I don't care. Let me say that as lovingly as possible. No, seriously. Because I want you to know where I stand. I don't care. Because I've got freedom and that I know the process and the decisions of my life and the decisions I've made with my wife in regards to our life have been prayed through and thought through and approved by God. And if it gets to the point where they're that big of an issue, let me make this very clear, it's not that big of an issue. I don't hear it all the time. But I'll be glad to step down tomorrow and you can find someone else to do this gig. That's how much I don't care. I lived my life, the first 15 years of public ministry, worrying so much about what everyone thought. Now, that being said, I'm still conscious of my role as a pastor. And I hope I don't do anything that embarrasses you and I'm conscious of stuff. And that's why I haven't knocked anybody out in public or done anything like that in a long time. I'm conscious of all that. But the approval of God sets us free from the disease to please. Once and for all, his approval, his thought of you is the key that liberates you from the bondage. The problem with so many of you is you don't see how God views you because you view yourself by the approval of others. You view yourself based on what someone else told you that you were. And chances are real good you base your life and how you view yourself based on the opinion of what someone else told you and that person who told you that's really close to you, but they hold you down. I don't even know if they do it intentionally. Who cares? But I'm married to them. Who cares? You should live your life. I live my life to please Christine, and she lives her life, and we're a team. But I don't need, I, I want Christine's approval, obviously. But I don't live my life to get her approval. I'm free from that because I realize who Christ sees me as. The Bible says this in 1 Thessalonians. On the contrary, we speak as though 
as those approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. We're not trying to please people, but God who tests our hearts. We're not looking for praise from people, not from you or anyone else. Even though as apostles of Christ, we could have asserted our authority. Here's what they say. We've been entrusted to preach the gospel. We've been entrusted to carry out the mission of God. We have not been entrusted to be liked. We've not been entrusted to be approved. We've not been entrusted to have everyone pat us on the back. Though that's great, and though we could have put our authority out and made you think great things, we're entrusted to carry out the gospel. He, he says we, we speak as those approved by God. The words that are coming out of our mouth, they're laced with this vocabulary that helps you know we're enough because we're approved by God. You have God's approval. You don't need man's approval. I'm enough in God's eyes. Guess what? You're enough in God's eyes. Quit believing the lies. Quit believing the untruths. Quit believing the negative. But Gary, you don't know what I've done? Yeah, guess what? You're not perfect. Newsflash for you. It's okay. Only one person ever lived perfect, and you ain't him. Maybe quit trying to live a perfect life. It's not going to happen. And realize you're approved by God. Quit looking for the praise from people. <laughs> Think about how freeing that would be. To live your life so in tune with God. To know that you were in the center of God's will. That you were doing what God called you to do. That it doesn't matter if anyone else approves of it or not. That's life changing. And very few of you will ever experience it. Now, don't take that as a license to do whatever you want. That's not what I'm saying. Because when you're in tune with God, you'll be led by God. You'll be led by... This is where the church missed out on things. The church used to beat people up to live right. They, they instilled fear into people to live right. Instead of just showing how awesome the grace of God and the approval of God is, and when you understand that, you'll want to live a life that's pleasing to God. We don't serve God out of fear. We serve him so much more powerfully out of love. We cannot please everyone. If you're trying to please everyone, you are literally facing an impossible mission. Because if you please this group, chances are you make this group mad. And if you finally please this person, the next day they're not pleased again. So why would you spend your life in something that is impossible? But we can please God. And we please God by just simply realizing what he has done for us. We are forgiven, and we've been absolutely changed. How do I please God? You don't please God with your actions. You please God by just realizing how he views you. When you view yourself as God views you, it's changing. Man, it's been hard for me to get to that point in my life. And I still struggle with it. Let me make that real clear. This is not something that I have victory over every day. 
but I think in my life I'm a lot better today having a singular source of approval than trying to please everyone. That'll kill you. It's like being in prison. It's miserable. Somebody say, man, because I know you felt that before. <laughs> growing up, growing up, let me give you a little history. See, you see arrogant, cocky Gary Lamb on stage or arrogant, cocky Gary Lamb that's on Facebook. Growing up, I was never the guy that was thought of that would make something of himself. End of the year awards in high school, you know what award I, I was voted as? Most likely to end up in prison, not for some hardcore crime, for trying to become a millionaire. So basically I said he was going to become a millionaire, but he was going to do something crooked to end up there. Most likely, that's what my yearbook thing was. I don't remember exactly how it was worded. In my family, I am 100% the black sheep in my family. I'm not, I'm not saying it for your wine to you. I'm just giving you the facts. I'm the only one of my brothers and sisters who have ever been divorced, has stepkids, doesn't jump when mommy and daddy say jump. I just never have fit in with my family. When I started a church, I got sent to this church planner's boot camp, and I was the one guy in the assessment saying, I said, that guy will never plan a church he'll never be successful at it you won't find this shocking because you have to hear it every week i failed preaching 101 in bible college failed preaching i was married to a lady for 13 years i'm not saying this in a bad way for 13 years i'm not saying this i'm not talking bad about it, but i'm telling you a fact in 13 years, I can never remember one affirming word that ever came from her. Ever. Ever, ever, ever. 13 years. You say, well, if I was married to you, I don't know how affirming I'd be there. Get it. I'm just, I'm just giving you facts. What I'm telling you is I'm giving you a little background to, to, to help you realize something. As if there's anybody wired to be addicted to approval, boom, it's me. I'm like a sponge for it. And in the past, I was such a sponge for it that the minute someone affirmed me, it fed every endorphin in my body. But I've just never been that guy that got a lot of affirmation. And I saw it, and I saw it, and I saw it, and I saw it. And it's a never-ending chase. It's a chase that will destroy you. It's a chase that will make you miserable. It's a chase that you will never fully catch what you're chasing. <laughs> you just got to realize what Christ did for you. You know what the most powerful thing in realizing what Christ did for you? Listen, I, I, I go to counseling. I do all kinds of things. Any messed up thing you can talk about, I've done it. But at the end of the day, there's no other thing besides this book that will make you realize what Christ has done for you the best thing some of you could do yeah that's good preaching the best thing some of you can do is get in this book and simply start to view yourself the way god views you but gary i messed up duh this is a book of messed up people screwed up people this book man there are murderers in here and adulterers in here and 
crooks in here and thieves in here and foul-mouthed people in here and people who stole me, you name it, they're in here. Crazy people. One dude was so crazy that when God cast the demons out, and I think, I can't remember the exact number, went to like 200 pigs and they ran off. That's crazy. Some of you are crazy. I don't think you're that crazy to fill up 200 pigs. Maybe 100. Can I see some of y'all crazy? People that denied him and betrayed him. And yet God used them. We have got to see ourselves the way God sees us. When you get in this book and you begin to read the way God sees you, let me just tell you a couple things. The first thing this book says you, it tells you you're God's masterpiece. This book says you are God's masterpiece. When you look in the mirror and you see all your flaws, you're the way God designed you. To insult the piece of art is to insult the artist. So you're going to insult God? He created you. He shaped you. He made you. God doesn't make junk. Something else you need to realize about how God views you. God views you as forgiven. Do you hear what I just said? God views you as forgiven. All those things you continue to bury. Can I walk out here? All those things that you, is it going to fall in on me? All those things you beat yourself up about. All those things that you screwed up and you really, all those things you let everyone else remind you of. Tell them to shut up. God, because they're miserable with their lives. They want to remind you of all your, shut up up because i got some news that's going to hurt your heart today you're forgiven christ forgot about it he chose to forget about your screw-ups and your mess up the bible says as far as the east is from the west is how far he's forgotten your sins god chooses not to remember anymore yet you remember every day you let the guilt gary lamb i'm the king of this crap I'm not beating you up. I get it. But you're living with something you're already forgiven of. Now, I get your actions hurt some people, and you're going to have to deal with the process of helping them people deal with how they've been hurt. I understand that. But you're forgiven. Do you know the Bible says you're a new creation? People that used to know you before Christ shouldn't even recognize you today. You're a new person. There's something new about the inside of you. The Bible says, think about this, the Bible says you are the light of the world. God left you here to go into the darkest places and to shine. That's how much God thinks about you. God says you're called. There's not a person here who is not called to greatness. Let me rephrase that. No, let me not rephrase that. Let me repeat that. There's not a person here not a person here who is not called to greatness. Now, your greatness might look different than my greatness, and my greatness might look different than their greatness, but you're called. The creator of the universe called you. And not only does he call you, you're equipped. 
All that crap you went through and you didn't understand, you might have went through it (coughs) because God was equipping you for your life's purpose. Did you ever think about that? You don't understand it. I don't understand it. That doesn't mean that God let us do it. We made poor decisions to do it. But the minute you go off the path, God's like, boom, here's plan A. Get right back on track. I got a new plan for you. Every time a pastor walks through those doors and they're hurting, I don't think God made me go through what I did. I did my piss poor choice making. But then God said, guess what? Now you're going to be able to help guys. You're going to be able to minister to guys. You're going to be able to reach guys that no one else could ever reach. My wife can reach people that I can never reach because she's been there, done that. Her scars allow her to do stuff. Your scars allow you to do stuff. Hey, your biggest mess will be your biggest ministry. The problem is you don't believe that because you're more interested in the approval of man. Good God, see yourself as God sees you. I don't know how to do that. That's because you won't get in this book. Get off Facebook for 10 minutes a day and get in this book. Go to your app store right now and download the Bible app, the version app. There's over nine, there's thousands of devotions on there. There's thousands of reading plans. It's free. It'll send you a reminder every single day. Me and God have alone time, naked in the sauna every morning. Yeah, I said it. I'm not naked, I'm in my underwear. And every day, sweating all over the phone it's shorting out reading God's word do you know that in God's eyes you're perfect because God don't make junk now check this out the last thing and I'm going to close it up because I could go and there's thousands of things I could tell you about how God views someone got mad that I threw my Bible down I can't remember who it was I don't throw my Bible down out of disrespect I just throw my Bible down because I'm here and that's just what I do and if I don't throw it down there I lose it for the next week because I only use that Bible to preach so I'm not being disrespectful but if it ends up here it gets lost so you're just going to have to bear with me I'm not perfect I throw the Bible down Sometimes you can't change, but here's the last one. Do you know know God views you as a saint? As a saint. Not a sinner. As a saint. And there's nothing you can do to ever make him not love you. How many of you got kids? Is there anything your children... I I hate asking this question because some of you need your head examined. There's nothing my children could ever do to make me not love them. They could do some things to make me not like them. My oldest daughter and me are not communicating right now. She's 18 and she knows everything and I assume I'm the issue for all her problems in life, you know. But I saw her yesterday. You know what happened the minute I saw her? Second thing that happens, I want to slap her across the face and be like, hey, I'm still your dad. Deal with it. But immediately I thought to myself, that's my daughter. And I love her. And who's this boy with her? Because I'll break his freaking legs. Immediately. I didn't think I didn't want to talk to her. And it didn't. It was awkward. It was weird. I'm not real happy with her right now. But I love her as much as I love Avery and Emily and Luke and any other demon kid my wife brings in our house. Or the kids that are like, we have that house that always has 700 kids in it. 
I, hate, I, I used to hate kids. Now, like, I, I love all of them. And I love the one that don't want to talk to me. There's nothing she could ever do that would not make me love her. And God looks at us the same way. There's nothing you could do to separate you from the love of God. And once you realize that you already have God's approval, everybody else's approval doesn't matter. So quit chasing it.